Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 161 of the Curtain Call podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe as we slowly begin to unwind ourselves and start to explore life amongst people again, hitting those theaters, cinemas, and any live events that you possibly can. On the website of things, Matt and I aren't sitting by idly either. For those of you who are theater, entertainment, and live events professionals, head on over to CurtainCallOnline.com and check out our new platform. I think you'll agree it's the one you've been needing and waiting for for far too long. So sign up, build out your profile, start getting found for work. But now for this week's guests, and we have a few of them. As theater opens up, as previously mentioned, especially after an Edinburgh Fringe Festival, we are bound to start getting some shows that pop up in London, bringing some of the best new writing from the festival down south. And a couple of weeks ago, I was having lunch with the head of Durham Student Theatre, Kate Barton, when she told me about a play she had written and directed that was taken up to Edinburgh to play at the Pleasance. Now, look, I knew it was going to be a special play. The Pleasance is one of those theatres that everybody would love to play during the Fringe, and they always return good value and have great shows there. But when Kate started talking about her play, Screen 9, I was instantly hooked. Being an American, gun violence is something that you always hear about. It's constantly on the news. But it surprised me, uh, if I'm honest, that an English writer-director was going to take on this tragedy um, that made worldwide news. And that incident that it deals with is in July 2012 when a gunman opened fire on a cinema audience that had just sat down to watch a midnight screening of The Dark Knight Rises in Aurora, Colorado. Now, this verbatim piece garnered fantastic reviews at the Fringe, with the stage calling it overwhelmingly intense, The Guardian, a vivid verbatim play, and Theatre Scotland giving it five stars, saying, Screen 9 might just be the highlight of the Fringe. Not bad. Now, I got to Zoom with Kate, two of her actors, Hannah Shunk Hawkins and David Austin Barnes, as well as original designer Matthew Jennings, and had them take me through the journey of the play so far, and how they're looking forward to their run at the Pleasance Theatre here in London. Have a listen. My name is Kate Barton. I'm the writer and director of Screen 9. I'm Matthew Jennings. I'm the original designer for the play. My name is Hannah Shawn Hawkins, and I play the role of Mary. 
And I am David Austin Barnes, and I play the role of Alex in Screen 9. A couple of us are in London, a couple of you are in New York, and it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I love this global industry. But what we'll do is a little origin story with Kate. And can you please tell me, um, in the first instance, what inspired this play and uh, how you've got to this point? Yeah, Screen 9. <sighs> It's hard to say where it even started from, to be honest. There were so many features and amalgamations that, 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 that formed in my brain in order to kind of start coming up with the concept. It, it's, it might be funny for many of your listeners, perhaps listening to a show that's so about America with a very British accented um, writer. So we're, we're used I, to I you guys my... taking all our jobs anyway, so it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it was it's a it's a production that was written as as a love to American cinema, as a love letter to American comic book fans and Marvel universes and Dark Knight Rises universes, and and all things comics books and exciting fantasy and things, um, as well as being a very journalistic perspective on on something international. And about a, a crisis that I think in the UK in particular, we don't have knowledge about and we make a lot of assumptions about. And uh, a conversation I wanted uh, to have across the pond and, and, and to kind of bring everyone into the conversation, but also really have it in a really exciting and, and more human way, especially when we start thinking about gun violence, um, which I think can be so easily sensationalized either way. And it then just polarizes it in a really big way. So it, it came about really from lots of conversations, um, some on the floor at 3 a.m. with my flatmates at university um, and as well from visiting America myself for part of a different theatre production where we were in Brooklyn and we were going to go to a house party and we narrowly missed actually a drive-by shooting that took place later that night at that party. Um, which was a, a crazy coincidence and a, a horrible near miss. And it made me realize that, you know, as someone just traveling to America, actually how prevalent this is, that that was actually considered to be not unusual. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to, to, to tell the story of the love of cinema and the, the, the really real impact that guns can have on communities. And specifically, we're talking about the screening. Was it The Dark Knight Rises? Was it which which Batman movie was it? It when? was. It was the Batman Batman Rises, which is the third in the trilogy. Right. Um, and it was the premiere on the 20th of July, 2012. Um, the shooting took place in a cinema in Colorado, um, specifically in Aurora, which is a small town just outside of Denver. And... Um, it, it was a horrendous incident of an individual walking into a cinema and just completely opening fire to the crowd. Um, and this is their story. This isn't, this isn't the shooter story. It's very much flipping it because you can easily Google this event and find out about who they were and what they did. But it's, it's, it's not that. It's very much what happened next to the real people who were there that day. And if I can throw it over to to Hannah and David, you know, how did you guys get involved? How did you come across it? What did you think as well of that British perspective? Because it sounds to me like I think I always tell my sons, you you don't no one ever learns anything while speaking. So when someone else is talking about what your perceived experience or your or actual experience of something, they're viewpoint you can learn a little bit more so 
when you got it, can you tell me how it came to you and, and what your first thoughts were? It's okay. We can, um, Kate's not gonna, she's not gonna hate you for saying, I thought I was rubbish. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know, but how, how, when it came to you, what was it that made you go? Yes, this is the one. And what were your experiences or knowledge around those events? Yeah. David, you want to go? Sure. Um, so I actually remember when this happened, um, I was in, um, I was in high school and I remember it happening. And, um, and I think that it's been really interesting to then kind of like delve into the world of this play and the event and everything, um, almost 10 years later, um, and kind of see how the perspective from an outside point of view, from a British point of view is actually well, it's t it is taking into account like all of the ups and downs from the event and kind of from the conversation in general. I think that like because it is verbatim and because you're getting the real wor words from um, the survivors and from their families and everything, uh, it really it was a lot actually the first time reading it. Um, and I actually had a conversation with myself about whether or not I did want to do it because. Yeah. Um, it is a lot. And like, I still, we talked about this when we were like, um, doing a workshop of it, but I, every time I go to the cinema, I think of this event, like every time, um, without fail. And, um, and that's not something that most people in the UK do have to think about that because they didn't grow up in that environment. Um, and so I think I, yeah, I was really like, do I really want to, do I want to deal with all of this or do I not? Um, mm. But it's a really like beautiful, simple show in the way that like, it really is kind of like bare bones. You're just getting to hear these people's stories and, um, and the arguments around gun control and just like everything that goes along with that is really interesting. And it was really interesting. Like you said earlier about like how you don't, um, you don't learn by speaking or something like that yeah. um, is that it was really interesting hearing Kate's point of view and like some of the other Brits point of view that are involved on all of this, because I have such strong opinions on all of this. And so hearing the various sides and discussing them because each of the characters have a different point of view and everything yeah. um, has been really eye opening in a way. Um, it's been interesting to like watch all of this happen and like watch the learning happen through their eyes. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 The other co-founder of um, Piccolo Theater, his name is George Rextrew. Um, he and David and I just completed a postgraduate degree with, and um, I think it was the second lockdown out of however many we had. Um, 28. Yeah, truly, honestly. I don't even know what level it was or what day it was or whether I showered, you know, but whatever, we're behind that ish. Uh, George reached out to us as, as did Kate and got us on board to do a reading. Um, and I remember it was, it was uh, virtual and I remember um, getting the script beforehand and um, you know, you never know what to expect. You know what I mean? Especially with things like verbatim, because you don't, everyone actually honestly even if it's verbatim they write differently you know they 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 orchestrate piece pieces and text differently depending on what the desired effect is 
And the thing that struck me most was how um, disarming it was as a piece. Um, it, it was not sensationalized. It was not on the nose in any way. It was very much about how a community responds to tragedy and how tragedy is collectively shared in all of the tiny moments of life rather than it being just so event-based and so kind of like, you know, violent and kind of immediate in lots of its sort of, um, in lots of the ways it affects audience. It was like the bits that really, like I said, felt like they disarmed me and really let me into the story were the pieces around, you know, um, a victim's car and, and like the particular sticker they had on the back or um, what, go, you know, like what smells are triggering to them or or what they were doing that day, you know, um, like one of them was going to meet her boyfriend's parents for the first time, um, just everything like that. And it was so, um, so human. Yeah. It was very human. And and that for me was the the reason of like, oh, I really want to be in service of this writer and this story um and um like yeah put my skills to it um because i felt like it was it was bigger and in service of something bigger than just we're just going to talk about a violent event that happened yeah. and become one of the masses of statistics or numbers or you know like sort of like shock value pieces that surround tragedy right now yeah I think that's a really good point and it's it's interesting um this piece was was written as a couple of early drafts and it's had a couple of like early readings but it, it's taken on a different life now we are working in partnership with survivors empowered um survivors empowered are a um a gun control advocacy group in America. Um, the founders are are um, Sandy and Lonnie Phillips, and they lost their daughter Jessica in this event. And you know, the, these were just wonderful parents who just one day had their life completely torn from under them, and, and just you know, it, incredibly one day the world shifted for them. And and ever since then, they have become these amazing spokespeople, these true advocates. And as a as a show as well, it's kind of written just to raise awareness for what they do as well and to start the conversation about um gun control and about better preventative measures as well to kind of go back to the states as well and, and to kind of really invite everyone back into this conversation about people rather than about about guns as well and about shooters but yeah but not about violence in a weird way and about the the communities that makes that makes total sense kate and um Matthew, I'm going to get to you. Don't worry. We're going to talk about the design in in, in a while. I'd, I'd like to because we're, we're going to get to um, the the next phase uh, of the production's life of the of the of the, in, of the piece's life, and that is, you know, this is from Zoom to doing something like this to um, to Edinburgh and uh, at the Pleasance, uh, no less. So um, you know, they they that's a, a great get. Um, for a, a piece of work, so and they they really do support and tell tell me if you can what what it meant to have that platform, which is so well uh, supported and and at an Edinburgh you know legendary venue um, to put on this piece and and what it meant for both writer and and performers and and Matthew as and designer as well because this is. Is something when it all starts coming together when there's a, something physically happened and uh, so 
can you take me through that? Yeah. Honestly, it's um, <laughs> completely overwhelming in terms of as our, our, well, certainly my debut thing I've ever written, I've ever di- like professionally directed, just suddenly be given this incredible platform with the Pleasants is just mind-blowingly exciting. It's the kind of thing that you only could dream about happening. Um, and they've just been absolutely amazing. Um, we are the recipient of the Charlie Hartill um, Theatre Reserve as well, which means that um, we are f- like co-funded and we are a co-production with the Pleasants as well, which nice. again gives us like extra gravitas and yeah. <clears throat> money, which and is David great. Yeah. <laughs> they get paid. <laughs> in, in the year of COVID, I mean, we we needed that. We we you couldn't. I don't think we could have done a, a premiere of a bit of a risky show. I mean, it's not a comedy at, at mm. all. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard show to watch. So to be able to have that support, that backing, that marketing and that belief um, mm. meant everything to us to be able to be there in Edinburgh and, you know, throughout the pandemic and all the uncertainties of will they, won't they? It was like a relationship at one point. <laughs> um, um, yeah. But the, you know, the romance worked out beautifully in the end. Nice. And the actors as well. So Hannah, David, did, were you aware I mean, in your experiences in in London and and the Edinburgh Festival, you're aware that that was the place, really, one of the places that you want to be? Yeah, I mean, it was all kind of like, there was sort of whispers of it happening and then maybe not happening. We did, you know, a couple reading and development weeks and then it was like we were going to have a season in London. And then as soon as the season in London got confirmed, it was like, oh, and four weeks up north. How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, but honestly, it was also like, just as a performer, it was like, this is such an incredible, uh, like rarity to be able to be with a show, to work on something over an extended period of time um, in, a, you know, and be held in a professional structure um, at a place where people, you know, it is a destination spot for theater. So even though the, the fringe, um, you know, it was greatly reduced capacity this year because of, because of COVID, everyone who was there was like there for a reason and wanted to like up their own work and up the others, you know, work that they see and, and be, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't anyone who was sort of like half-assing it. It was yeah. like everyone yeah. who was there, it took something for them to get there. So the, the, in my opinion, the, the quality of the work, the, and the quality of engagements like between artists was, was, was um, much more um, rich. Amazing. Yeah. And I think that um, I had personally never been involved with the Fringe Festival before. So I don't know what it was like pre-COVID, um, I've heard many Crazy, things. crazy. Um, yes, that is, that's a general consensus. Um, but having it happen this year and getting to be a part of it and getting to be a part of the pleasant and everything, yeah. it was it was such a gift. Like this story is very important to all of us because we have all been attached to it. Well, not as long as Kate. Hasn't been years for us, but um, <laughs> but we all like, it's very important to us and um, and the Pleasants like really kind of helped um, make the vision that Kate had happen. And the whole energy of the city and the festival and just like everyone involved in the Pleasants and like around, um, it was just so lovely. It was like, um, which makes sense because we're all kind of craving it. We're craving the in-person, we're craving the creative art 
outlet after, um, you know, the unspeakable. But um, <laughs> I think that it was just, it was such a blessing to like get to do it, get to see other stuff, get to like sit in the Pleasant's courtyard and yeah. meet other creatives and stuff. It was, it was such yeah, it I was, mean that's it where we all go. We go to the Pleasant Square. Yeah, I mean it, yeah. it is it is the busiest place. It's it's madness. We now take a short break for a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is Salisha Thomas from Black Hair in the Big Leagues, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Curtain Call Podcast. So let's let's talk about the design. And and as a as a writer, I can understand that you have a responsibility to words that were true, to words that were spoken, to experiences that happened. How do you as a designer then take those um those moments and 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 put them in a way that's both respectful to uh, the experiences of the people that were involved in that shooting, but also also true to the piece, a, a new piece in the interpretation of that script. Um, and how did you approach that? So I think a really big part of this play is the people and their stories. And so we wanted to put the complete focus on the words given by these people and we, we tried to remove a bit of the sensationalism. So at one point in the play, you are submerged into darkness like those people were at the cinema, but we wanted to make sure that we kept everybody in the audience safe yeah. in that as well. Cause it, it's quite a big ask to get people to come into a theater where, you know, tragedy happened and to slightly relive that mm. is a really difficult thing. Um, but I think what draws people away from that is the the people and the stories and hearing those words, um, I think, is what really helps drive the piece. I think it helps focus it as well when it's like when it's really dark, all you hear is them. You just hear the words yeah. and you just see the clock as well, which is projected, which just goes through the time of the three minutes that it took for this to happen. And Gosh. and that's it. And it, you just sit and listen. It's not, there's no, there's no noise effects. There's no gunfire. I think Matthew was really careful in his design to, again, as you said, be really respectful of yeah. not only the safety of the audience, but making anything at all gratuitous. So we are now come to the point where uh, that London run is happening um, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. I hope everyone else is too. Give me a, a, a sense of what it means to bring something down from the fringe um, that was a success. This, the stage are notoriously difficult, um, you know, but for them to call it overwhelmingly intense and giving it four stars, I mean, that is... That's so good. You know, they're they're really hard to please. And I love the stage. Don't get me wrong. I love the stage. But it's the, the journey you've got now is it's coming to London. Tell me what that means as a company, not just as individuals as well, but as a company, people who have developed a piece. And and you is there a, a validation or is it do you do you not care about that? You just 
it's being able to uh, bring it to a wider, wider audience. Take me through some of those emotions and some of those, uh, some of those feels. Yeah, I mean, I feel very excited that we get to, you know, we did previews in London for a couple of nights, but it's nice to feel like we have a, a dedicated season, you know, to come back to. Um, I just, in, in terms of our sort of like our ethos, like it, I, I couldn't have asked for, like not to sound twee or whatever, but like a, a, a more like relaxed, easeful, um, and and supportive experience in terms of cast and and crew and creatives like everyone is is very kind of like everyone knows what we're in service to without being like reverential about it everyone is just like you know here to understand and support the work um you know between each other and then also what we're giving other people and what mm. we're asking other people to go like um through with us um yeah. i feel very excited that you know we get to bring it into london as well because you the other thing is like you never know what kind of wh like who's going to be there as well you, and you never know i think that's one of the most beautiful things about theater is you never know what ripple effect your your story or the story or your work is going to have on people like i remember in our first preview night there was a man who was like, he was so overwhelmed by the show. Um, and he like went out of his way to write to Kate uh, and say, I just want to say thank you so much. It was his Amazing. first experience in a theater uh, since the pandemic. And even just going like, you know, regardless of the reason why people show up, they're showing up to go to have an experience. And I feel very lucky to be able to, yeah, participate in that definitely Amazing. yeah I completely agree I think that having been a part of it for so long now and different iterations of it each time we've done it it's gotten it's become more fully formed it's become I think like the story that it was meant to be um and that is exciting like it's exciting to be a part of that it's exciting to kind of see that happen and like see the change kind of feel the change um and I think, yeah, likewise, like after, you know, the year that we've all had and everything, getting to do theater in general is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but getting to do this show, which we all um, care a lot about, uh, for more people in like a new setting that, again, like could spark conversation or, or they just, you know, have a nice hour to theater. It's just nice. Like, mm. and I think because the story is different to a lot of the work that like we've done as actors, for instance, um, since it's based on a real thing and we're not playing real people. We're, we're playing like, um, like a conglomeration of a few people. It's like a com it's not one individual person, but because these are real stories and everything, it also gets all of the ego out of the way. So it just, it's not about whether or not like we're giving a good performance or blah, 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 blah. It's about kind of telling this story and seeing um, how it lands on the given night. And that is really exciting to do in, you know, London, which is the theater capital of the world, in my opinion. So yeah, <laughs> it is, it is in everybody's opinion. Yeah. yeah well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's completely mental. Um, 
like yeah i mean couldn't have hoped for a, a, a more gracious reaction for everyone who saw it in edinburgh um it, it's it's been really important for people to i think hear the story and it's it's touched a lot of people and that's that's really moving and i think as as everyone said it's just it's creating that dialogue and it's creating that platform for survivors and it's 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 changing the conversation um and that's really exciting and you know london's a massive international city so and it's an international story so it's going to be um it's going to be a treat to take it down i think i always like to ask people um the guests that when they're putting on a new show what would you like the audience to to go away with what is kind of a success in that sense of of a of a show i think the big thing for me is this removing of a polarizing barrier between the politicizing of gun violence and hopefully hearing these stories of real people and real lives that were affected uh, can break some of those down and hopefully open up conversations on a more personal level of what's the change that we can do to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people come out of it like almost like angry as well, almost like I can't believe this is still happening and I can't mm. believe that this is still. So there is a bit of a call to action, I would say, as well as an audience member to come out of it and and think about yeah what we can do as 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 humans in this world and work more collaboratively together to have these conversations and and talk to your parents and talk to your family and talk to your friends and and really widen it as a as a discussion i think um yeah um i i would say if there was a success for me it would be like someone going out and calling their mom and telling their mom that they love them like yeah. I like I haven't seen my family in because of the pandemic for like nearly two years yeah um and that has had a real effect on me and doing this show performing this story has made me every day feel like I appreciate the love of my family in a very different way and it, it keeps all of those sort of like superficial for me those superficial kind of day in day out like niggles at your life and in your head it keeps them kind of really in perspective you know like <laughs> call your family and tell them that you love them and spend some time with them or pick up the phone or give that text to that person that you've been meaning to reach out to but you just haven't like you know, just that kind of thing for me, if it sparks a connection of, you know, wanting to reach out and like, yeah, like give some love, that would be that for me as a success. And I appreciate the wonderful every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, completely. I mean, I agree with all of that. I think that the theater I enjoy the most is something that I leave thinking about and whether it makes me angry or it makes me sad or makes me laugh or whatever. If I am still thinking about it the next day, that's a success for me. And I think that, um, yeah, and connection. I agree. I think that like, uh, it's a difficult time and it's a difficult story that we're telling. And um, so yeah, if it brings like a little, little hug, a little phone call, 
that is that is very cute and very lovely. <laughs> well, listen, I think we could all use a little hug and and and, and cute or not. Um, like <laughs> I look forward to seeing it and I cannot wait to experience screen nine because it will be experience it will be an experience i'm sure from what i've what i've read from kate what you've sp spoken uh, to me about and and what we've spoken about today i wish you all the best for the run break legs and um and i'll see you after the curtain call it, guys best of british best of <laughs> thank, british. You. thank you thank you so so Playwright Kate Barton, actors Hannah Shunk Hawkins and David Austin Barnes, and designer Matthew Jennings there. Now before I go, just a few housekeeping bits. Quick reminder that you can download and subscribe to the podcast from the Apple Podcast app or from iTunes. That way your feed will be automatically updated when we release podcasts. But you can also listen to us on many other podcast streaming services such as Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio, all those lovely things. Spotify, Spotify. Please rate and review our podcast, please, if you have a spare 30 seconds and help us reach more theater lovers out there around the globe. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Curtain Call. And you can follow me personally, at John Schwab. Both of those are all lowercase and no spaces. We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. Get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned, or write to me personally, at john at curtaincallonline.com. Don't forget, sign up for a free profile in Curtain Call if you are a theater, live events, or entertainment professional, at curtaincallonline.com. We've just launched a new platform. It's partly funded by Innovate UK to help get our industries back to work. So it doesn't matter where you live in the world. Sign up for a free profile. Just, yeah, do it. It just leaves me to say a huge thank you to Kate, Hannah, David, and Matthew for taking the time to chat with me about their play, Screen 9. If you want to attend, you can find tickets at the Pleasance's website, which is pleasance.co.uk. And that uh, run starts on the 12th of October. I'll put the links in the show notes. Thank you to Sure Microphones for continuing to be our equipment sponsor for this podcast. And a huge thank you to the incredibly talented and extremely unbeat Salisha Thomas. I say it every week and it makes me smile. I wish you guys could see her on our podcast, Broadway Podcast Network meetings. They are brilliant. If you haven't checked out our podcast, it's time to go over to the Broadway Podcast Network website and do just that. Lastly, a big thank you to all of you who tune in regularly to this podcast. Without you, just we wouldn't be here. Thank you so much. I look forward to bringing you even more episodes. And uh, I just want you all to stay safe, look after yourselves, and uh, see you in a darkened room soon, I hope. Bye. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.